the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good morning, everybody. Well, it got cold fast, and I know in uh, Hudson, Ohio, we got uh, two or three inches of snow the other night, so something to look forward to. Ah, <laughs> Ohio in the winter. There we go. Anyway, uh, let's start off thinking positively, though. You gain strength, courage, and confidence by every experience in which you really stop to look fear in your face, in the face. You are able to say to yourself, I've lived through this horror. I can take the next thing that comes along. That was Eleanor Roosevelt. <laughs> there we go. Uh, she was a tough lady, from what I understand. Um, her hus- well, I didn't agree with her husband's politics, but uh, he was a pretty tough guy, too. Anyway, uh, you know, we always talk about going to WHK 1420 AM's uh, webpage. So if you want to get a hold of me, you want to have sit down and, and talk about your portfolio. Uh, I've been noticing a lot of things lately, by the way, you know, just a, a side, you know, going a side vent here. Uh, I've, I've done some life insurance contracts for some people recently and some long-term care. And what they've done is they've combined them together and the cost has really come down, especially for the life insurance. Uh, especially, uh, did just, you know, we were just talking to some people about term life insurance and, you know, you're talking about, you know, 15 to 25% savings. Uh, so you might want to, you know, if you do have an insurance policy, you might want to, uh, call me and get it. Uh, take a take a look at it. Um, in the meantime, if you go to WHK fourteen twenty, go to po- local podcast down to Tim Hayes, you can get right to my webpage and uh, highly recommend Market Week. You know, if you don't know what's going on with the market, most people don't. It's amazing. Uh, take a look there. They also Investors Edge, which is a really good quarterly newsletter. So I mean, you don't have to look at it every week and. But then they have Bob Dickey's technical analysis, and believe me, uh, that's good stuff. I mean, he Bob has been right as rain. You know, we had a seminar two years ago, and a bunch of people talked to him afterwards, and they said, well, the correction over? He said, oh, no, it's not even close. And he was right, you know. And uh, now, I mean, he's changing his tune. He's uh, he's, he's talking about things. And, I, and I'm going to make a declaration on the show later that I think you'll find interesting because I've only made these type of decorations one or two times. And I, I, I think I'm right, by the way. Anyway, there's all sorts of good stuff on cybersecurity and interest rates. You know, we've been we've been one of the few firms out there talking about uh, interest rates being lower for longer. And uh, I think we're right. Um, we have our news, newsletter you can sign up for. Uh, also, if you want to sign up for, you know, I'm just about to send out something <laughs> uh, Monday. I just I just found what I was looking for. Uh, I'm going to send out a uh, email to all the people that are on my list. Uh, if you're not and you want to get on there, just uh, email me or contact me. And uh, only one person signed up for, or two people have signed up for this, so I know this is good. And it's the Savvy Investors Credit Workbook. I don't know what it is. It's like the stock market right now. Nobody believes in the stock market. And when when I talk about something and nobody sends in for it, I know I've got a great piece. But uh, believe me. You got to know about credit, all right? Uh, there are times when you need credit. There are t- good times to use credit, and there's good times not to use credit. So, anyway, the other thing is our global best income ideas. It's a very long piece. I'm sorry to all the people uh, that I talked about our global energy best ideas. Uh, a lot of people, well, five or six people called in for it. Unfortunately, the, the research went restricted due to a couple deals we're involved in. Uh, so I got to hold back, and as, uh, as soon as it becomes unrestricted, I'll certainly send it out to you. Uh, I've been also talking about convertible bonds. Boy, we've got a really interesting deal coming up uh, in the new issue market on convertible bonds uh, by my favorite people out there. Uh, actually, the, the guy that owns the place signed my book for me, when, uh, and I met him on an airplane. Okay, so let's get started. 
Americans pay about 86% of their federal taxes, leaving $381 billion annual gap between taxes owed and taxes collected, uh, according to the IRS. New York almost lost, uh, lost almost 38,000 people aged 25 to 39 last year, decline that was roughly twice the size that experienced each of the previous three years. That drop coincided with the city's first overall population decline in more than a decade. Taxes. There are around 12.3 million women-owned businesses in the U.S., and the vast majority of them are all small businesses. Four out of ten business owners are women, up from 4.6% in 1922 when the U.S. Census started keeping track of that. By the way, I have about eight of those people as clients, and they are sharp. They they know everything about their business, and it's really kind of neat to talk to them. And, uh, I mean... Uh, you know, a, a lot of my clients become friends over years and uh, years and years and years. And several of these uh, ladies are just phenomenal. They're not only phenomenal people, but uh, they're phenomenal business people. So uh, there we go. Hey, for all you guys that play the cryptocurrencies, there is uh, Bitwise is a newsletter that comes out. And I'm not going to tell you what it says. I'm just going to say that this is the headlines a pending supply shock could significantly impact the market's trajectory in 2020. Almost no one outside the crypto uh, is talking about it. And uh, the rest you got to look up. Uh, I noticed most of the ETFs are in cells. So I'll just say that too. Um, so be careful out there. Uh, but, you know, you got to read the article first. I'm not, I'm just giving you a hint. You know, the occupant of the White House can significantly impact business, even if the president's party lacks control of the Congress. Uh, wouldn't it be useful if there was a, a, a guideline to forecast the next president of the United States more accurately than simply watching the news polls? Perhaps such a, fam- a framework exists out there. You know, first of all, we've got the Iowa consensus out there uh, that Dorsey Wright follows very closely. And is, it is said that people often vote with their pocketbooks. Could it be a, a driver of re-election campaign success or failure over the past half century has been real disposable income growth per capita? Uh, historically, sitting presidents have been reelected by a larger margin when real disposable income per capita was growing more, as evidenced by the, you know, by several charts that I have. The real disposable income growth per capita is one point seven percent or greater. In, incumbents historically got reelected at over four percent. A, a landslide usually occurred. <laughs> How about that? Today. Real disposable income per capita is growing at approximately 2.4%. Hmm. Real disposable income growth per capita may be the most important metric to the following next 12 months. Come November, it may prove telling. So let's see what happens here. Uh, you know, I I think that's kind of interesting. It's kind of a macro view of the, of the world. But the other thing I've been talking about is that, look, People are really bearish right now. They've been talking about recessions, inverted yield curves, and, and you know, I mean, the American Association of Individual Investors are the least bullish they've been. They've only been less bullish than this five other times in its history, and that's a, that goes back to 1953 or something like that. Yet, the Federal Reserve has stopped taking money out of the economy through open market operations. They were taking about $50 billion a year, about 4% of the total economy they took in. And gave it back to the, the, the Treasury never to be seen again. They raised rates nine times. Well, they've lowered rates three times in a row. Okay? And the Fed has added, just as of uh, Thursday, they added $115 billion in short-term liquidity to the markets. So they're, they're doing the opposite of what they were doing. And that people are still bearish. Hey, I'm going to say something here. And this is Tim Hayes' opinion, not RBC's. Uh, Got to say that for the lawyers. But I bet you we have a melt-up. I bet you a melt-up is brewing. Now, look, I talked about a meltdown back in 2007. I said the money market would outperform the stock market. All right? And it did. And I said it, and I'll say this again until the melt-up's melt-up starting, I think. I think it's going to pause for a short period of time because short-term we went really overbought quickly. That's what happens in bull markets, by the way. You have a short-term burst, and then you pull back and you digest it. Then you have a short-term burst, and you pull back and digest it. So, you know, Tim, Tim's bet is is on a uh, a big move up here. The other time I said it was the two months before the election. I talked about a melt-up, 
And nobody believed me. Nobody believed me. And then Trump got elected. I knew I was right. <laughs> anyway, so I think there could be a melt up. And I'm not sure what's going to cause it, but I, I think it might be the Federal Reserve. I mean, they went, we, we were going along, you know, it was tough sledding, but we were moving along pretty nicely. Now, the one thing I have noticed that if you don't make your numbers, they shoot you. And, you know, we'll just leave that at that. But so we had new season highs in a lot of different uh, indexes. And look, uh, I don't know if you guys get this, but I highly, uh, there's a guy named Yale Hirsch and his, his, his son, I, I've met a couple of times. He's really a great guy. He's a great technician. Yeah. He's, he's always in stocks, commodities and, uh, uh, stocks, bonds, and commodities, whatever, you know, the, the Traders Magazine. But they both put out something called the Stock Traders Almanac. And it's a reference tool, all right? Uh, you know, they talk about the promise of market seasonality. And, uh, you know, look, this is historically the best time to invest after all Souls Day. So everybody is negative right now. And, it, you know, by the way, it goes from November to May 1st. Uh, but if you took a look and you just invested $10,000 dating back to nine, you know, 1950, you'd have a million dollars. Now, if you had just invested in the time frame in the summer months, the summer months are usually a more of a stock pickers, uh, market. You have to be very good at what you're doing. Again, that was the case here. So, uh, that's very, very interesting, but, uh, you know, it's, it's time folks. And like I said, I think there's a possibility of a melt up. So, if you had buy and hold strategy, an average an eight point two percent yield. If you bought the weak markets, uh, it'd be 0.65. If you bought strong markets, it'd be seven point four two. However, the best in strong markets are twenty nine percent, twenty almost thirty percent. The worst was fourteen. The be- the in the weak market was nineteen. Uh, was the best, and the worst was twenty seven. So you can see this seasonal pattern is pretty uh, interesting. One thing that's really kind of interesting, for the first time in a long, long time, the bullish percent went to bull confirmed status. And we haven't had that. I mean, it's been in the column of X's, uh, which I thought was interesting. A couple other things I thought were interesting is that the financials moved up to third place. Utilities are now in fifth place. So remember I said utilities were losing uh, you know, their uh, relative strength versus the market. I've been sa- I said that for a month. Well, it's starting to happen. Uh, and... Consumer cyclical, so it goes technology, fin- industrials, financials, consumer cyclical. Now, so the tiny, I noticed with the technology stocks, it's rotating out, okay? So we have a change in, in the season. We have a change in the relative strength, which is interesting. And the, and the cash uh, scenario to the S&P 500 is now just at 3.25%, so it's better to be invested than not invested. Now, uh, domestic equities have found quite a few uh, uh, new um, votes this week, and so haven't international equity. So uh, that's that's very interesting. I also looked at the the week. Well, maybe I'll talk about that when we come back. Um, but the the final thing is, Lori Calcivina thinks it's the start of something bigger, and uh, we'll talk about that when we get back. How about that? Uh, stay tuned. This is Smart Investor Show. back uh now uh look the u.s equity market has sprinted forward uh since october and uh the dow jones industrial average and the nasdaq composite are now reaching all-time new highs uh now it's a slanting slope up so if we get through that slope it could be really interesting so i think there's five catalysts that were behind this advance number one the positive progress on phase one u.s china trade deal i think that's most important by the way that's what's been holding us back we think uh, this lengthy bull, bull run uh, has further to go, by the way. Uh, number three, uh, if, if you listen to Bob Dickey, our technical strategist, he points out that additional hefty gains may not materialize right away. He thinks the proportion of stocks participating in the reality is not yet broad enough to signal that the, the U.S. major indexes can break above the, that two-year trend line. Okay, But if it does, I am starting to see it spread out a little bit. Tim Hayes is now. I'm not Bob Dickey. I'm, you know, he's he's going to wait till it happens, okay? Because he has a bigger audience. But nonetheless, I am encouraged by the rally's leadership and the restrained investor sentiment. Nobody likes the market right now, okay? From my point of view, the right groups have been the leading 
the broader U.S. market, uh, semiconductors, transports, banks, and small caps. You know, and that's groups that haven't led at all, and they're very important to the market. So I did notice the QQQ score is almost 6. It's 5.77. Now, a couple other things I noticed is dynamic asset level investing, uh, you know, has been talking about, we've been talking about strong, that's our friends from Doris who right provide us, but if you look at the strong attribute type uh, Dow stocks, they have really been doing well uh, over the last year or so. And some of them are just getting started, like Procter & Gamble, Coca-Cola. Uh, you know, they're just getting started this year, I should say. Uh, so it'll be interesting to, to see. But the, the weak attribute stocks, have, you know, like uh, IBM, United Technology, so that's starting to turn up. Uh, Travelers is, has, was doing okay and then kind of died. And then Goldman Sachs and some of these other names uh, – there is some interesting stuff going on out there that is, you know, you're starting to see some turns there. So uh, keep a watch for those. You know, if you get the weak ones to turn strong, usually it's going to be a big move. So you got to watch those fairly carefully. All right. So I looked at the uh, kind of have our second up leg here of 2019 equity bull market. Um, and the cyclicals are continuing to emerge. I mean, I, there's a couple of local cyclicals that look really, really good, which I'm not going to give you. You got to call me. Um, Equity markets globally are in their, you know, second bull market. Uh, so we'll just see what happens. But the short-term indicators are becoming overbought short-term uh, and obviously short-term. But it's it's very bullish backdrop. And I I would suggest that any pullback is going to be short-lived uh, or it might not. It just might go sideways. Okay. Now, we're in this normal bull market cycle, you know, this four-year cycle we've been talking about. Actually, our friend uh, Bob Sh- uh, Rob Schleimer, uh, who's from uh, Fundstrat, has been talking about it, you know, ad nauseum now for about uh, nine months. So, But the industrials and the transports, uh, the industrials are breaking out of like a two-year range. And uh, over the past month, few months, we, we have uh, seen a broad group. And now the transports are competing, you know, are starting to break out. So, what do you have when you when you have the transports and the Dow breakout with the utilities up at a new high, which they were for a while there. Now they've backed off a little bit. It's called a Dow theory buy signal. It's important, folks. Very, very important. Now, some of the chemicals are also starting to accelerate, which I like. And the discretionary, especially the hotels and casinos, look great. Financials, uh, especially the regional banks. And I'm going to talk about one other in a second here. Um, and the semiconductors continue to lead. So uh, software is lagging now. So, you know, we've been harping on that for a couple of weeks. But the four-year cycle looks like it's reaccelerating. And I think that's very, very important. Uh, it tells me that the bull market's probably going to go for a pretty long time. By the way, several of my uh, clients called and wanted to go completely to cash because of Elizabeth Warren. And I said, no. Uh, you know, the president can be a problem within an economy. But Bill Clinton was a big problem as far as I was concerned. I mean, Hillary Care and all the stuff he was doing. But the Federal Reserve is the most important. They actually run the country, okay? They run the economy. And the Federal Reserve is on our side at this point. But uh, look, monthly, uh, I'm looking at the, uh, if I look at the momentum indicators, we're starting to turn up. And we haven't, we haven't really turned up. Uh, we've been heading south now for most of the year. Um, so, the only problem I have is, uh, you know, the quadrant balance data. Uh, we have a lot of stocks with rising momentum, uh, and it continues to build from a very oversold area. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Weekly, the relative performance versus the TLT, which is the bond ETF, is showing some evidence of bottoming and higher lows in place. So it'll be interesting to see if we break break through there. And then, um, I, you know, I just think a shallow pullback is, is coming, and I just think you've got to be careful. Same with uh, Russell. The Russell's been very powerful in a very powerful short-term move. Um, you know, it's broken its downtrend line. It broke it broke out on a relative performance versus the S and P five hundred. Probably pull, pull back one more time. Look, the the uh, ETFs for the foreign markets. Uh, you know, both the emerging markets and the uh, Morgan Stanley Corporate Index are very overbought. They're getting overbought, and they've been positive momentum for ten weeks now. That's pretty long time in 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 my business. So, uh, see what happens. I am noticing, you know, I've been saying this, that, you know, you didn't want to buy bonds because, you know, the yield on the bonds was very, very oversold and they're starting to turn up now. 
Look, the uh, and just so you know, uh, when I first started talking about the thirty-year Treasury was one at one eight five, the ten-year uh, was at one sixty-two or something like that. The ten-year is now one ninety-five, and the thirty-year is now two forty-five. Those are big moves. Those are big moves. A lot of people lost money. And by the way, the weekly relative strength momentum is still rebounding. So there's there should be you know there could be some more. Now look, I don't think you have anything to worry about as far as you know the the new highs on the yield or anything until we get to you know a little bit over two percent. Now the dollar is interesting because the dollar uh, the weekly momentum is negative. It's suggesting that there's some downside, uh, and it be, it began its break short term. Uh, from the you know the 2018 2019 uptrend, but we we are on a daily basis a little bit oversold, made a kind of a little bit of a double bottom, and I guess my question will be, uh, how long will the bounce be? Will it be short lived or not? Uh, we ha- we are seeing a, a pullback in gold. Uh, like I said, you know we made a 20 percent move, and now we're going to digest that move for a while. So I don't think you have to be in a hurry to buy gold, but as it's down, you want to you know add to it. The industrials broke out nicely. What, what I thought was really interesting is the biotechs are now starting to lead the market. I mean, Biogen IDEC, you know, said they have an Alzheimer's product and it was up 30% in a day. Uh, Constellation, which is one that I uh, owned a little bit of, um, you know, I didn't even have time to buy it. I mean, we started buying it at like $12, $13. And like four days later, it was at 35 Okay. So what's interesting is the biotechs are now beating the market by about four, four and a half percentage points. And that was the biggest outflow in ETFs and, and mutual funds was in the biotech world the last two weeks. <laughs> See, people are, are losing their minds, I think. The XLF looks like it wants to break out. Uh, you know, a break above uh, the 30 and a quarter area would be great. The relative performance for the S&P and 500 is really dynamite. So uh, there we go. I, I, the semiconductor... Looks great. Semiconductors look great. Staples are starting to weaken a little bit. Uh, I think that's a, a short-term thing, you know. So if you're a trader, if you're long-term, I think you stay with it. But look, I think the commodities are in a in a bear market and, and will be until the dollar breaks down hard. Uh, but if they do start to advance, it'll probably be dollar-based. Remember that. So look, I think you got to be able to understand the difference between the type of advances that there are. There's a uh, there's a big there's a selective advance and there's an indiscriminate advance. And the difference is, you know, when you look at the advanced decline dot line, it heads south in a selective advance. So there's only a certain number of, of, you know, stocks going up in a, in a more indiscriminate advance, everything goes up. All right. And, you know, between the election uh, of 2016 and through 2018, we had an indiscriminate advance. It was glory days. Uh, and we did that between 2012 and 2013. And then you could see, you know, the market going up, but it was going up with less and less people. So now one group that looks really good to me is the investment services group. Uh, you know, that's my industry. And uh, I see more and more of these stock uh, groups starting to break out. And I've got two individual ones. One I own a lot of. I was in it way too early, by the way. Um, and now I've, you know, I was down about eight, nine percent. Now I'm up about five or six percent. And I think it's going to continue uh, in a big way. And, you know, I, I was look, I, I reviewed the uh, chart of gold versus all the major global currencies. It looks like it me, to me that it suggests that bankers are losing their faith in their own currency and bidding up gold. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see what happens if this thing about Bitcoin comes to uh, fruition. So got to go out and read that. I'm, I'm not going to read it for you. Um, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I'm just looking at things that, I, that whether I want to talk about them or not. One of the things I did notice is that uh, a lot of the trading oscillators are still not confirming the all-time new highs. So 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 far, what we have is a selective advance. So what we need is another move. But if I looked at the uh, SPX, there's a, there's a downtrend in the, in some of the oscillators. And, and this is uh, the Swinland trading oscillators, by the way. Uh, also the New York stock exchange uh, in uh, composite index, you know, what you're having is new highs, but the, the, uh, the oscillators trending down. Uh, same with the OEX. Um, but these are mostly the bigger indexes, the mid, the mid caps and the small caps 
also have the same problem. So we've got to, you know, it's something that you you don't want to be uh, uh, you don't want to get too bullish yet, you know, like I said, but I think, you know, there's a major advance coming. And you know, look, I somebody asked me, you know, how do you, how can you tell before uh, an earnings report that something's wrong? Well, usually the stock doesn't do well, first of all. Um, so that's but you also look at relative strength. Base everything on relative strength as far as Tim's concerned. Very important. Now, um, look, we've had three rate, Fed rate cuts, and they've successfully removed the major yield curve inversion that everybody was so worried about. Uh, it also improved the economic sentiment and sent yields at their highest level, uh, boy, I think since August, I believe. Uh, with the Fed taking short-term rates uh, to a range of 150 to 175, we think they'll probably settle in the the 175, 2% area on the 10-year, for, for now anyway. But uh, if you look at the charts, uh, the Fed's three rate cuts over the past three months have just removed the yield curve inversion completely. So that's a good sign. That means people are not as negative, or the, the market's telling you not to be as negative. Hey, we'll be right back with the Bullish Percent. This is the Smart Investor Show. Stay tuned. Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. And once again, uh, if you you know we we talk about a lot of things on this uh, show, and if you'd like to discuss them, you could find my you know my email, my uh, my telephone number, etc. Uh, at whk fourteen twenty am. Just go to local podcast down to Tim Hayes Smart Investor Show, and uh, you can go right to my webpage from them. Now, look, I I also think if we have this little pause, I'm expecting. Um, you want to look at a couple things. Our best idea list has two really, really good ideas. <laughs> I mean, two excellent ideas. I've been I bought one all you know last week. Uh, well, from Wednesday on, and the other one I'm going to start to buy because the chart's starting to pick up a little bit. Uh, also, our dividend growth portfolio and our prime income list. The prime income list you got to be a little bit careful with because there's some utilities on there and a couple REITs, and I think they're going to give it up a little bit while the rest of these things, uh, you know, shoot through. Uh, but, you know, we can run these for you and, and buy them according to the technical analysis, too, if you want. All right, so this uh, this week we, uh, we we saw something that we haven't seen in a while, and that is the bullish percent going into bull confirmed status. That's a good sign. Uh, that's a very, very good sign, by the way. But the bullish percent is just simply our, our risk gauge, and, when it's a column of X's, we have the offensive team on the field, and, and we're, when we get a column of O's, we have the defensive team on the field. Now, somebody asked me, do we sell everything to be going to a column of O's? No, not necessarily. There's other factors involved. And one of the things we've been talking about, and our friends from Dorsey Wright provide us with this, is the dynamic asset level investing. And dynamic asset level investing is the relative strength of all the sectors. Domestic equities are still the number one asset class. So you don't have to run and hide on this. Now, back in 2007 and 2008, they were the lowest form of life on the planet. All right. And, and that was when I said, you know, the money market would probably outperform the stock market at that point, uh, which we were very, very right on. But this is the first time we've been in bull confirmed status in about, I think we went, it was the third week in November in 2017. All right. So, we're starting to see all this shape up. You know, I said we'd be wishy-washy all of, until the fourth quarter probably. Well, the bullish percent went positive about a week and a half ago. Uh, it's at 53. It was up four this week. Small caps were up two. Uh, and the world index broke out, which is another positive. So uh, it broke into a column of X's. And now the world index is looking pretty good too. And so, you know, a couple weeks ago, we were still wishy-washy. So, you know, we got a big difference. And one of the things I noticed was the big breakout in the S&P 500. Uh, if you look at the SPX, it broke a quadruple top this last week. That's a big break. Big, big break. So uh, there's there's been breakouts in all the major indices, and they come at a time when we've had notable improvement in, in like Dorsey Wright's equity risk indicators like the bullish percent charts, et cetera. And the bull confirmed status is big. Uh, now, cash has been losing votes, 
Currencies have been losing votes. Fixed income has been losing votes. Commodities have stayed the same pretty much for about a year now. And domestic equities have gained votes. And uh, international equities have kind of maintained for the last couple of weeks, months, whatever. But uh, domestic equities have gained eight buy signals over the course of the last two weeks. Cash has lost seven. That's that's pretty positive. Now, so we just had the Dow and uh, most of the other indexes, the small cap, mid cap, uh, the QQQs, the the equal weight indexes for the S&P 500 uh, start their second week of positive momentum. I'll just mention this because I mentioned the the emerging markets and the uh, EFA, which is the Morgan Stanley Corporate Index of all the larger names. They've been positive for 10 weeks now. All right, that's a long time in my business, so be careful. All right. Uh, so over the past seven days, we have seen the S&P 500, the, the Invesco S&P 500 equal weight, the XLG, the QQQ, and the Dow Jones Industrial, each better their respective all-time highs. So if we get a lot more up on the advanced decline line, I think the melt-up is about to occur. That's my opinion. But look, we had the, the Dow Jones break a double top after breaking a double top. And then the S&P 500 broke a triple top after breaking it, you know, and I'm, I'm looking at a different type of chart now. But uh, the the uh, QQQs uh, broke a, a triple top and the XLGs, these are the larger stocks, broke a double top. Well, actually, a split triple top. And so we, we even have the small cap index that broke a, a quadruple top and so did the mid cap index. So if we get more participation on small caps and mid caps, they go to new highs. I think that'd be really, really positive. And like I said, you know, the the EFA and the EEM both broke out and, and looked pretty good. But, they're you know, they've been positive for, for uh, 10 weeks now. So you're probably going to anticipate a small uh, pullback. Now, uh, we went from 10 to 11 positive sectors or favored sectors, as we call it, uh, on the Dorsey Wright system. And this is kind of interesting because uh, everything's kind of in the middle at this point. But. Building materials, semiconductors, electric utilities are already at 70. So like I said, I expect a pause there, and, and you use the pause to buy. Uh, waste management's at 65. Uh, real estate, machinery, and forest and paper products are at 60. But notice a lot of for, forest and paper product companies starting to, to break out. Uh, been buying one. Uh, transportation's at 55. Wall Street and electric products are at 50, and housing's at 44. So those are the favored sectors, and I would the ones I started out with, I'd be the least likely to buy now. I'd wait for pullbacks, and then the housing would be the one I'd be probably taking a look at right now. I did notice that uh, there's below 40, there's like 15 or 20 uh, diff- different uh, groups. But once again, what Bob Dickey has been talking about is he'd like to see a wider leadership and so 11 is the maximum number of groups that we've had positive this year. So we'd like to see that, uh, you know, turn around a little bit and have maybe 15 or 20. But we do have chemicals, drugs, household goods, metals, non-ferrous, uh, protection services, software, and textiles are still in uh, full confirmed status. So with just a few twitches of the chart, I think, you know, things could improve pretty rapidly. Did notice that machinery and forest and paper, paper products went to favored status this week. Uh, protection services dropped to average. And healthcare, aerospace, and autos, which have been unfavored, have, have uh, gone to average, uh, which is usually good. Now, remember, we've talked about this seasonally weak and seasonally strong period. And this is a f- very positive uh, time for both our equity markets and the international equity markets. So, don't sit back and get all sorts of bearish on us. <laughs> all right. I think uh, what you're, you're going to see here is, uh, a, you know, look, we've made a pretty big move in like a two-week period. So what we want to do is settle down, take it easy, all right? And then we'll start in advance. And, you know, look, a melt-up could be 15 16 17%. And I'm not sure I'm absolutely correct on this, but I'm, I said it on radio. And this is not RBC's claim. This is my claim, okay? So, uh Look, it's all, everybody's bearish. I mean, the biotech index is leading the market. People are taking money out. The markets are going nuts. P- 
people are taking money. September, they took $30 billion out. In October, they took $28.9. Those are two of the biggest months of withdrawals from equity funds uh, in 25 years. And we're hitting new highs. What are they going to do if we ever turn around? (laughs) It'll be scary. And you know what? Bond funds keep getting money. They're averaging 2%. And by the way, when interest rates go up, your bonds go down. And if they were to put it in two weeks ago, which they did, I mean, they added like $100 million. They're probably down already. All right? So this is a seasonally strong period for the stock markets, whether it's domestic or international. Uh, I don't think the international is going to go crazy until the dollar starts to decline or if it starts to decline. I guess that's the key. But it's amazing what happens when you look at some of the relative strength uh, portfolios because they're starting to really kick into gear. Now, one of the things I did, I looked at fixed income, and I, I noticed that the, the core bond ETF, the AGG, keeps having a series of lower highs. And if it were to break 111, uh, I think uh, you'd be seeing some uh, uh, much higher interest rates, um, you know, to the tune of about a half a percentage point coming up here, which is, you know, based on where we are. That, that would put the, the 30-year at three, okay? Now, com- uh, commodities, uh Crude oil has been positive for two weeks, but it's a hard time getting traction. Some of the other, uh, the, the actual indexes uh, have been positive for nine weeks. That's a long time in my business, so you want to be careful. Uh, copper has been positive. Gold's been negative for eight weeks now, and corn's been positive for eight weeks. So there we go. Uh, one of the things that I thought was inter- interesting is industrial metals, the total return index, ETF and ETN, both of them, Broke their downtrend line this week, which is really good. And natural gas broke a double top. It's the first time I've talked about natural gas in like eight years. Let's talk about relative strength now. This is important. Remember, we started out with a big economy, the big, the bullish percent, and we moved down to individual uh, buy signals on, on relative strength. Relative strength is, is mentioned in almost every technical trading there is, uh, manual there is. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to combine fundamentals and technicals together. So if we have a good technical idea and a good fundamental idea, usually we're in the right spot. Uh, Annexter International, industrial goods, another industrial. Cross-country healthcare, another healthcare company. Dover, industrial goods. FMC, chemicals. Uh, Gefalter, basic resources. Cardtronics, financial resources. Copper's Holdings, basic resources. Rite Aid, uh, Corvo, semiconductors. Uh, Madden, uh, Steve Madden, I'm sorry, which is uh, shoes, Teva Pharmaceuticals, Unisys, Vico, SP Plus, which is non-cyclical goods, Kindred Biosciences. There's a little late dollar stock for everybody. Teladoc uh, Healthcare, which I bought a little bit of. All right, on the sell side, so this is you don't have to run out and sell these. You just have to check your you know your fundamentals. HMS Systems, Canadian Solar, Deku, Deku, uh, New Energy. Uh, Omeris Corporation, which is bio- biotechnology, U.S. Cellular Corp., World Acceptance, World Wrestling, and uh, Under Armour, Corhirsis, uh, Biosciences, Enphase Energy, uh, Aristanet, Arista Networks, I'm sorry, Wayfair, and Etsy. Uh, they got hammered pretty hard. But look, we are breaking out. Uh, the Dow Jones Industrials is, you know, like a box away from a big breakout. NASDAQ already broken out. I noticed the NDX, it's been the lower guys that are breaking out, not the guys that have been up a lot. Same with the NASDAQ, same with the equal weight, and same with the S&P 500. Market seasonality, it's a starkly strong six months ahead, ladies and gentlemen. Stay tuned. Okay, we're back. Just tuned in. This is the Smart Investor Show. And once again, uh, WHK 1420 AM, uh, go to the local podcasts. You can go right down to Tim Hayes. Uh, by the way, you can listen to all my podcasts if you, if you think I'm, you know, uh, blowing smoke here. Uh, uh, you know, the calls I made are out there. They're on, they're taped. Uh, so <laughs> I also have the tape when I said cash would outperform uh, stocks, and I also have the thing about China topping and uh, housing topping, and a few other things. So uh, there we go. Uh, you know, we always talk about insiders. Oh, by the way, if 
You want to have a cup of coffee? Talk about your portfolio? Uh, you want to come to my office? Or you want me to, I, I love getting out of my office, so please, please call me and, and meet me for coffee someday. Uh, the office gets boring after a while. Anyway, um, we talk about insiders quite regularly. And so what we started talking about was the Fed lowering rates and doing open market operations to the tune of $115 billion. Okay? That's the macro economy. Now we've been talking about ideas. We talked about relative strength by buys. Now, I'm not telling you which ones to buy. You're on your own if you're not doing business with me. And now we're going to talk about insiders. Insiders know their companies pretty well. They're usually early. We're only looking for the big buys or the multiple buys. Uh, but I'll stress again, they're usually early. Well, Chris Kampinzinski, who's the new CEO for McDonald's, bought half a million dollars worth of McDonald's. Along with him, a director bought $259,000 of McDonald's. So we'll see what happens if that continues. Also, Stonemore Partners uh, is a $1.14 stock, whatever, and uh, a certain money manager bought $3.9 million worth of stock. Uh so it's hitting new lows, and they're out there buying a dollar stock. And one, you know, we talked about FedEx. You know, last week we had a couple of buyers. Well, this week we have uh, two, uh, the same director actually, bought seven hundred eighty-five thousand dollars, and then uh, I mean, he bought seven hundred fifty-eight thousand dollars, and and then the stock jumped a little bit, and he bought another seven hundred eighty-five thousand dollars. So uh, that's fairly interesting. That's the third, that's the fourth uh, insider buyer. Um, you know, and by the way, if these guys, if, if if they get rid of the China tariffs, their business is going straight up. Okay, uh, so that's that's your tariff play, I think. Also, uh, Trinity Industries, which makes the the uh, railroad cars that uh, move oil back and forth, we had uh, several people buy, but Brand, uh, Branding Bose, who knows this company pretty well, bought three point five million dollars worth. Uh, then we had a a twelve point eight million dollar buy, then an uh, eleven thousand dollar buy, and then an uh, eight hundred and ten thousand dollar buy, uh, and and this thing had been down from twenty six. It's it was actually a sixty five dollar stock, uh, so it's now just twenty two um, and looking interesting. Um, <laughs> I, I forgot. Also, John Edwardson of FedEx, who was the guy that bought two weeks ago. He bought another 10,000 shares of it uh, for $1.5 million this week. So I forgot to add, to add that. My apologies. Now, here's a couple that are up quite a bit. All right. And I apologize, but I only do the show once a week. The first one, uh, the Column Group, which is, uh, I believe, Matt Column, uh, is the beneficial owner. They bought 625,000 shares of RAP Therapeutics. Um, that that adds they now own 6.7 million shares so you like seeing that's a you know 10% increase but we had a director buy 1600 shares and another director buy 625,000 shares the ceo ceo bought 25,000 shares and believe me he owns a ton another director bought 8,000 uh so six others bought back on november 1st um small amounts by the way and uh, uh osmium partners reported a 6.2% passive stake in leaf Group, which is an internet play, and I also noticed the CEO bought fifty two hundred shares, and he owns six hundred thirty five thousand shares, and the COO bought two hundred sixty a two point uh, two thousand six hundred sixty one shares, and he has two hundred sixty seven thousand shares. Both of these, uh, you know, Leaf and also Wrapped uh, went up a lot uh, last week, so you want to hold back a little bit. And then Keith Meister uh, bought two point three million dollars worth of MGM. Resorts and uh, at a new high, a new recovery high, I should say. Like seeing that a lot. So, you know, look, this recent rally on the Dow Jones looks familiar to some other peaks that we've had. So, but we're still knocking at the door, okay? Uh, so, what I've been doing, or actually Bob Dickey's been doing the same thing, is the, the highs just get a little bit higher each time. So, we have like kind of an uptrending series of highs. We've we've drawn a line over there, and what we want to see is see that breakthrough on high volume, and have a whole bunch of other stocks participate. And right now, I would suggest that the advanced decline line is starting to turn, 
Uh, it's actually picked up a little bit, made a higher low now. And it'll be interesting to see what happens coming up here. Uh, many of the broader indexes uh, of stocks and indicators are, are sh- still short of confirming new highs. I talked about some of the oscillators earlier in the show, you know, that type of thing. So, you know, look, the markets continue to flirt with this, uh, you know, starting a renewed uptrend. And this is part of that four-year cycle that I talked about. Uh, It's normal. It's been something we've seen over other occasions during the past two years. And is this time any different? You know, and right now I'd say no, because the number of stocks not participating in the index strength is is important. And there's not a lot of uh, stocks participating. So the advanced decline line is the one thing from stopping me just pound the table. Okay. Like I said, we could have a melt up if the small caps and the mid caps start to work. Um, but so as of now, the resistance rules. Okay. And the one thing I would suggest is, and this is, this is something I'm going to send out to my people. Um, so if you want to get on board, uh, you know, uh, just go to WHK 1420 AM, go to local podcast down to Tim Hayes, Go to my webpage, which you can get there directly, and, and you know, sign up. Uh, just hit the contact me or email me, and I'll put you on my email list. But um, value stocks may be in the early part of a, you know, of a period of outperformance uh, after, you know, three to five, six years almost of, you know, being beat up because of the Fed Reserve's policies. And, uh, you know, they, they outpaced uh, growth stocks by 3.5% in September, and it looks like it's another – 2.8% in October, so it'll be interesting. But look, if you look at the chart of the S&P 500 since the bottom in 2009, by the way, we did come on this show literally the week of the bottom and say, you know, this is a generational buy-in opportunity. So that was a pretty good call. And it wasn't just my calls, a bunch of other people's calls too. So I, I didn't step, you know, too much out of bounds. But we've been in a nice uptrend. The problem is when to stay in this uptrend, we keep having a couple potholes here and there, and I think they're, you know, it's, that'll probably continue for, look, bull markets create fear. Don't, don't ask me why, but most people, I'm, I'm, I mean, I've, I've talked to people that want to go to all the cash now. We're hitting the new high, and they want to go to cash. I thought to myself, you know, what happens if we go the other way? You know, and by the way, I had a hard time getting people to cash in 2007, 2008. Isn't that interesting? So the the mind of the investor uh, sometimes <laughs> does strange things. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, let's review a few things. Another billion dollars went into money markets. So it's like three and a half billion dollars in money markets now. It's the highest number ever. Uh, the Asso- American Association of Individual Investors are one, at one of the five lowest bullish periods ever. So nobody's bullish. Biotech index is outperforming the stock market by four or five percentage points. And there was $14 billion withdrawn from those funds in October. <laughs> the stock market, you're probably up 20% in a bad mutual fund, maybe 18 in a, you know, in a bad mutual fund, you know, okay. And people took 30 billion out of, uh, Stock ETFs and uh, and mutual funds in September, and twenty eight point five in October. Does that make sense to you? Well, it doesn't to me. It seems to me that if you're taking a contrary opinion, what you need to do sometimes in the stock market, you know, it might be a pretty good buying opportunity. So we'll see. Now, I did notice uh, some of the bigger names out there, like Berkshire Hathaway, broke out. You know, Disney had a great quarter on Friday. Uh, I think people have been much too bearish on that stock. Uh, AbbVie, which is uh, one that everybody's been bearish on, is, is up almost 12, 13 points. That was one of those ones on the prime income list that I, I like so much. Uh, it's now past my entry point, by the way. Um, so things are working, uh, but we need a broader expanse, okay? Like I said, we want 20 groups to be favored sectors, that's when we know the advance is, is coming. And we're very close because a lot there's there's seven or eight sectors that be, could become favored very quickly because they're in bull confirmed status. They just have to become favored. And it's, you know, it's kind of a relative strength thing that we use. So don't get bearish. Quit. Turn the TV off. If you listen to those guys on CNBC, you, you lose your minds. <laughs> 
Uh, you know, so look, it's it's going to be a great weekend. I think some a lot of people have Monday off for veterans, and if I may say to all our veterans out there, thank you for your service. You guys are the greatest. You know, hug a sailor. You know, high five a uh, a marine. Be careful, they're bad. <laughs> uh, the Air Force, you know, uh, kiss an army man. You know, give a hug to an Air Force to the Air Force, and uh, uh, you guys are the greatest. Guys and gals are the greatest, and uh, we we thank you very much for your service. In the meantime, what would you do? I'd look at the dividend growth portfolio, man. I think uh, you know a lot of. I've had some clients that have just bought the original portfolio and haven't changed at all, and it's not working for them. Gee, what a surprise, okay? It's a discipline, okay? They cut the dividend, you got to be out. I mean, GE cut their dividend four years ago. Some of these people still have it in there, you know, because they're not listening to me uh, or not or not calling me back or whatever it may be, okay? But the portfolio works. Uh, the prime income list is is dynamite, except for it has a couple utilities on it. Utilities have been losing some relative strength. Our top ideas, there's two dynamite ideas in our top ideas list. I'll just leave it at that. I mean, they're dynamite ideas. And uh, I think they they could be huge winners over time. And they're darn good companies, too, which is, you know, <laughs> an, an added feature. So uh, I'll just say that. Don't forget, you know, our credit book, Savvy Credit Investors Book. Uh, you know, you need to know how to use credit, folks. You need to. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Remember, this is the Smart Investor Show. If you go to WHK 1420 AM down to local podcast down to Tim Hayes. You can get right to my webpage. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Remember, buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.